the expression from the music inspired me so much to take risks and it inspired damn near the whole rap game. Hello again, I'm Adam Unz. You may know me as the host of The Opus, and now I'm bringing my own show, The Spark Parade, to the Consequence Podcast Network. I speak with artists and creatives about the cultural artifacts that spark their personal interest and creativity, whether it's music, books, movies, video games, or any other kind of art. I've never spoke about it in this amount of detail. I'm suddenly going, oh my God, I'm blowing my own mind here, Christ. It's, it's actually a giant part of my life. By talking about the things we love, we share and discover insights into our personality and the things that drive us. It's just magic, really. I mean, frustrating and it makes some people angry, but I don't think anyone's ever done anything like it. I speak with people like Connor Robers, Phoenix's Thomas Mars, Chris Gethard, Helen Hong, Adrian Young, and more, so their sparks of inspiration can start a fire in you. I'm grateful for those who continue to put our history and who we are as a people in the forefront and make you see it. Find the Spark Parade wherever you get your podcasts. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi, this is David Frangioni, CEO and publisher of Modern Drummer Magazine. So excited about our new podcast, The Modern Drummer Podcast. This weekly podcast will bring modern drummer to life. Sit back and enjoy fresh, fun, and insightful conversations with today's top drummers, producers, musicians, beat makers, and craftsmen. Whether you're a professional, a hobbyist, drummer, musician, programmer, producer, or just love music, this show is for you. Every other week, the Modern Drummer Podcast will feature world-renowned producer, songwriter, and drummer, Narda Michael Walden. Narda Michael Walden's Upbeat is featured exclusively on the Modern Drummer Podcast. Hey, this is your brother, Narda Michael Walden. Wishing you all a wonderful time now, and springtime is in the air. All the robins are singing, and everything's coming up green, and flowers are popping up. And it's time to appreciate the genius and love and soul of a brother of ours who plays drums and keyboards extremely well. His name is Gary Husbands. Gary Husbands. He reigns out of London, England. Uh, he's got a gift that's unparalleled. And I'm very happy we had a great chance to, to, to chat with him on how he approaches drumming, his inspirations on drumming, his inspirations on playing keyboards, backing such genius as Ma Vishnu John McLaughlin and others, and pay close attention to things he says on this wonderful interview uh, with, the, with the marvel in his mind and his heart and his dexterity and his coordination levels are off the chart. Pay attention to the great brother, Gary Husbands. Okay, here we go. All the love, you guys. Here we go. Bye-bye. Brother Narda, <laughs> love you too, sir. Oh, man, it seems five minutes since the Warfield and the, the concert and seeing you and, uh, oh, boy, you know? Well, Gary, I want to start right there. Uh, what you played at the Warfield was magnificent with John McLaughlin and, and that band. And oh. I was going to just say that, you know, uh, in my lifetime, 
Uh, I only know a few people, like two, who can play the keyboards and drums with such perfection. And that's you. I mean, we know about Jan Hammer. Jan can go and, you know, on both sides. But there's you now. You go on both sides well. So it's like, damn, damn, damn. Your brain is like scientist, 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 and soul, 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 soul. So anything you want to say, we love you, man. The floor is yours, Gary. Now, the, you know, it's so hard to just come to terms with those kind and generous and beautifully soulful words. I mean, I have to say, I mean, this can't be too far from what you do, because I mean, you, my first experience of you actually, now was it before the, no, not before, but along the same time, you made an album called Vimana with Nova. Yeah. I knew they were on Fender Roads. And then you make your debut, Garden of Love Light, and we, you're playing keyboards, man. Come on, get out of here. Yeah. What made you, Gary Husbands, inside you, the kind of person that understands and wants to give blood on the floor? Where, as a kid, are you coming up that you want in your life to be at that kind of a party where you got to bring blood to the floor? Well, uh... I guess it really helped having uh, marvelous uh, musical people in my family. I was brought up in music. My father was a great musician. Okay. Classical musician, but, but also loved jazz and loved Brazilian, loved all different kinds of music. And at the same time, lots of singers in the house because my mom was a singer and a great dancer. Can you say anything to, to our fans uh, yeah. about this? Because you, I mean, when I read like the people you have worked with, it is phenomenal. The people, <laughs> think about it, that you have worked with. It's phenomenal. So say something about, for example, yeah. you mentioned John McLaughlin, Mahavishnu. Yeah. Now you're mentioning Alan Holsworth, who yeah. at the time maybe wasn't as famous, but now the word has caught on to all the cats who want to be about music. They are wanting to study, hear, play, understand what he was doing. He's become a, a rage now. Yeah. So speak about Alan, because like when you, you were you you're right there. Yeah, he. I was right there. I, I the, you know, I I just feel blessed that there was a, such a, a an element of time and place that enabled me to meet him first of all for that to take place because you know how it can be sometimes with with, with figures artists who you respect so much you can go up to them and say you know I really love to play like that with you. And they go, oh yeah, man, you know, we'll, we'll get it together someday, you know? And it kind of doesn't happen. Yeah. But this was not only sort of put in my lap, so to speak, it was, it manifested in a play that almost in the next, you know, just two days from that point. So um, I, I knew I had to find something, particularly when I found out about the more about him, you know, and I'd say, listen, you know, uh, how would you like me to play in these songs? You know, what, what, how would you like me to play in your different sections of, of your songs? Would you like me to set it up? Would you like me to give more breathing space in certain sections? Any kind of questions like that. And he'd go, I just want you to do what you feel. Mm -hmm. And I was like, okay. He said, do you feel something for the music? And I said, sure. He said, try anything you want. Mm -hmm. And he said, just remember one thing, every note matters. Mm -hmm. I'll never forget that, Narada, mm -hmm. because that was an important thing. 
every note matters. Mm-hmm. That, that's, that's a major statement right there. Yeah. And uh, I knew that he wanted the drums exciting. He, he wanted lots of symbols to the, to the presence. He wanted rage in the playing, but he also wanted, uh, and he didn't like anything being rigid. Mm-hmm. And, and this is just all part and parcel of the way you, I think we have to, as drummers, look into the artists that we're supporting as a, as a musician. And, and you become, I used to just learn everything about all those people you see on the page. I would just find out anything I could about them, everything I could about them, the kind of drummers they've liked playing with, Mm-hmm. Um, invariably, um, I would find out and, and research their records so I could go to them and say, man, I, I loved this particular track, you know, and this person would say, you know that? And I mm-hmm. say, yeah, sure, mm-hmm. you know, and, and there, this starts to make easy conversation. They start to feel very good with you personally, mm-hmm. as well as artistically, and, mm-hmm. and this is one thing I try to suggest to, to younger players, really, really research and take an instrument in the people that you're playing with. Wow, and, um, and to do this, and, and I really went for it with Alan. I, you know, because he said, uh, I, I just wish you to use your imagination and come up with something that you'd like to do to it. And I go, wow, man, green light. <laughs> I love it. That's the most ultimate green light, yeah. you know? And so I said, sure. And I went for it. And the more I went for it, he loved it. So really, that worked. You know, with other artists, it's then important to realize this is going to be way too much coming from this world and going to playing with Robin Trower, mm-hmm. Gary Moore, mm-hmm. Jack Bruce, a mm-hmm. whole other another individual. I mean, this guy put bass notes I never heard from any other bass player. So as a drummer, what do you do with that? You, you start to absorb it, again, acquaint, I acquainted myself with, I had every album he did. I, I knew all through his periods and I knew how he got even further back than Cream. But once he was in Cream, if you listen to the bass and Ginger's bass drums, there's the stereo, particularly with the panning they had there. Mm-hmm. And you hear just innately to the both of them because they had this love-hate relationship, you know that. I mean, this is like war going on at the same time as massive love, you know, and and it and it showed in in, in the music and and and, but but this innate thing where Jack seemed to just fall in the sixteenth note holes that Ginger would leave out, and you can hear it if you go back to those Cream records. Mm-hmm. I sit there and go, man, this is it's it's like a symphony. You know, and it's like it's composed or something. And so I was really inspired by that. Not only what to give me an idea of how to play with that guy or what to bear in in mind to play with him, but also to hear how unusual things and thinking right out of the box can sometimes turn into really great ideas, right? Great input. So I think a lot of these artists really told me to take a chance, but please respect what I want. Yeah. But please don't stop trying stuff, you know, because I like it. And and you see all those names, they're all fantastic musicians. So, I mean, that's... I'm working with with a guy now named Neil Sean from Journey. And he's a big fan of Jack Bruce in the sense of he learned what Jack was doing, like you studied. 
and yeah. brings those base concepts into Journey. He Does loves he? that movement in the bottom end, which which now I've now I'm working with Neil. He's saying, "Yeah, it's Jack Bruce. I've learned so much with Jack. I can say, uh huh, okay." Ain't that funny? Uh, yeah. Did he dress with Jack, Neil? Uh, I probably I don't want to I don't want to overextend myself, but I know he has certainly uh, taken it to heart that education and and his movement where he leaves the one off you know leave all the holes in places he's very inspired by that movement from jack yeah and it brings it into the pop world so that's what's yeah happening. yeah mm -hmm. but the thing about jazz uh, oh, sorry jazz i'm gonna say jack yeah. jazz yeah. it's like there's a tie there because yeah. it would always be vastly different every night Replace sitting and sitting on what was it sitting on top of the world or, or sitting on top of the world the blue song or you know you know any of those cream things and he'd be playing stuff all over the place and contrapuntally with the vocal you know like Mark King in level forty two does the same thing the vocal quite on its own and of its own world while the bass is happening at the same time. I mean, it's like unbelievable coordination. I don't even know what you call it. Independency. Independence. <laughs> Independence. Yeah, man, independence, I mean, man. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, but playing those kind of lines and they're all at odds. And, he, and he, Jack would be improvising as a vocalist at the same time as improvising on, on the bass. Now, how do you do that, man? Mm -hmm. I mean, where does this double strand of concentration? Yeah. Anyway, yeah. this okay. is now. Now you you mentioned two two guitar players as you got to Jack. You mentioned uh, yeah. uh, Gary Moore, who I'm a fan of. He has a jam called Blues for Narda. I love Gary Moore. You also mentioned Robin Trower, and Robin Trower is a beast. He is a cat who loved Hendrix, and I, and we played alongside of him at one of those big shows like Nebworth. He wore it out. He was funky. Robin, Robin Trower is mean. So you were, tell us about Gary and tell us about Robin. Well, Gary, and by the way, I was on Blues for Narada. I know, know, talk about it, talk about it. Yeah, I know. Well, well, we were, we were, we were, I mean, he was, he was coming up. I mean, he had quite a few songs at this, this time. This is what, 96, 97, I'm working with him. Yeah. Um, as a result of having worked with Jack. So we, we kind of fell in as a trio a couple of times and he thought, oh, okay, you know, this, this kind of feels good. And um, so happily I was able to, to, to make recordings with him and go on the road a little bit with, with Gary too. But he um, really had quite a few songs that were very reminiscent of you, Narada. A, a lot of, I mean, you hear the influence in, in blues for Narada, right? I, I, yes, but I also gonna tell you, I think that Gary Moore is a genius blues guitar player. I mean, oh, he man. can really cry, man. He oh. makes everyone feel what he plays. He, he makes everyone feel it. I mean, I'm really like, whoa. Yeah. yeah. Did you hear him live ever? Huh? Did you hear him live ever in, in the flesh? Only, only once in, in, a, in a club. I was in, a, I was in the UK and, the, and we were honoring Jimmy Hendrix one night and he came and he played. Yeah. Um, in, a, in a small club yeah. where Hendrix had played. So that's the only time I ever heard him live, besides the live recordings and the live I, thing with you. Yeah. 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 It was like being struck by a ball of lightning, huh? I mean, yeah. this, this, it wasn't just about volume. It was like somehow the fearlessness in it, the, the commitment, the, the message.
the motive, his reason, his every reason. I mean, it was it was just like he he would never ever stop playing guitar. Uh, he'd do it for the rest of his life, you know, yeah. which unfortunately was cut quite short. But um, he was something, man. I, I I agree wholeheartedly with you. He he really was. I mean, not not a lot of guys around, particularly now, who deliver like that. Right. What about Robin Trower? What do you want to say about Robin? Robin came into the picture quite late, towards the end of Jack's life, and and they were doing a trio album, and they weren't happy about the way things were going. And I think Jack Jack did a hard sell on Robin, who I'd never met before. Okay. okay. Uh, and said, "Listen, I I know a guy who can come in and." save this and make it okay between the three of us because jet because robin would really want to do it live old school you know yeah. <clears throat> and um and i went and it was and it was just beautiful and we we put one track down and it seemed to just robin it was just beautiful to play with it just felt like putting a really warm coat on you know mm -hmm. it just mm -hmm. felt great and natural and unforced and and as usual i'm going in there researching as much as I can. I want to find out as much as I can about Robin Trower. And I go in there and I just try to play from the soul. And, uh, and of course, I've got the Jack, the big beast on bass. So I've got all his unusual uh, idiosyncratic aspects going on. And it, it was just beautiful. We laid one track down. We went in the control room. And Robin said, wow, this, this, this all feels rather good. And, and Jack sort of piped up and went, see? Mm -hmm. <laughs> so yeah. he'd obviously been like selling me, you're doing a hard sell, which was great because uh, I think Jack knew that it was possibly, quite probably something that I could do and, and make happen very nicely. And he sold me on the strength of that belief and uh, conviction, but uh, it, it did really work, I'm happy to say. And then we did some um, live dates together, but not few because Jack was getting more and more sick. So this was um, cut short quite quite soon. What I want to say to you is that in the 60s, we, 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 we fell in love with the music. Um, yeah. But it wasn't always like chop driven. Like, like there was only a few cats in the rock world, like a, like a Mitch Mitchell, who was like so like advanced. He was so clean and, oh, and cool. just and just natural. Like, yeah. you know, just like, you know, just like it had it. Yeah. I mean, you know, we had, we we love the ginger bacon. We love those cats. Yeah. You, on the other hand, had an influx of Tony Williams and the stuff that we that we grew to love as we progressed in life, and then brought that into the rock. That's a big thing that people like myself love about you, that you brought another sense of intelligence, another sense of wisdom, another sense of like New York, America, back into the British rock, come back over to us again. And so, you know, because that's what that you're scary. You could you do things out of the blue. They're just like only a cat would. First of all, a, a great amount of technique could first of all think of, but you're able to do what's it, just it's just natural because you've lived it somehow. That's your thing. You know what I'm trying to say to you? I I, I get you and feel you. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I I can only assume it, it must have been very much like this for yourself. I. I I really had a lot of problems early on because I had too much fire. I mean, I was too young, not enough discipline in certain areas, but full of emotion. And every time to play was 
I want us to play loud and soulfully mm-hmm. and really get the message message over. I could not seem to play any other way, you know, yeah. and it was too much invariably. So I had to learn to try to just be able to, to play with this kind of passion, let this flow, but have some kind of control, learn how to rein it in, manipulate it, fashion it, you know, aim it in different ways, have it, have it take on different dimensions a lot more than what I was doing. Uh, I mean, I, I couldn't, I'm like a lot of kids now. I couldn't, I couldn't wait for the furious bits, you know, whether where you could, <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'll bet you were just the same. Yeah, I understand. So, I mean, uh, you know, and, uh, but life teaches you quite soon and, and music teaches you music, just the greatest teacher by itself. It's, yeah. if, if it knows that you love it and you have this eternal respect for it and how humble we are, it goes here. Let me help. Yeah, that's right. I, I really think it does. Do you? Yeah, I do. I completely agree. I think the music yeah. is our greatest is our greatest gift. And I've also heard that if God speaks to us in silence, then music is right next to silence. That's how high music can take us. Right next to the silence where God speaks to us. So it's all like just one thing coming down. That's I beautiful. love that. And I also yeah. love just to open my heart as you do and let it just flow. And I've also learned to not judge it. Because if we judge it, then we bring our human uh, mindset. Yeah. For example, we could say one night, oh, I was really good tonight. But then God would say, I was okay. But another night, we said, oh, I wasn't very good. You know, But no, the good Lord would say, no, tonight was your best. Tonight, you saved someone's life. Someone got inspired in life, wanted to commit suicide. They're going to live because of you played. So we can't really judge, in other words. Can I tell you something that happened to me on a flight back from Japan? Yes. Perfect. I'm watching, I'm watching the in-flight movies. And they're all Japanese movies with English subtitles. Thank God. How does somebody learn that language? Anyway, so I'm, I'm looking through the list and stuff, and I see something called Maestro. And I'm intrigued because there's a little thumbnail of a, of, of a guy with an instrument. So I, I click on that to get more info. And I read that this uh, guy is a, a retired conductor of a symphony orchestra. And he's got uh, lots of proteges in the orchestra, but business pressures and, and hard times mean that he has to close the orchestra down. And all the musicians in the orchestra go about this massive fundraising to try to start it up again and get him back in business. And they, they go out and they try and find him and he's living in some caravan. So I don't want to give it all away, but they do get him back. And, and, and at some point in there, the, the son of the first violin in the original orchestra mm-hmm. that this conductor had, has a son. And he's, he's, he's on his way. He's not quite the talent his father was. So this conductor is trying to reassure, but, but it's not really going in, these messages, you know. And he thinks of a way to try and describe what he, he means. And he says in the film, he said, let me tell you something. You have to think of me as an actor here. <laughs> a little voice. Let me tell you something. You know, you make a mu- musical sound and within a heartbeat, it's gone forever. But if you manage to make a sound and resonate with somebody's soul inside of that one note or that one phrase, then that moment lasts a lifetime. And I was. 
and a Kleenex, and I was weeping, and they were coming up to give me going, Mr. Husband, are you okay? And I'm going, yeah, mm -hmm. but, but, but did you hear what he just said, you know? <laughs> and I was just sitting there weeping, and the, the passengers are looking at me going like, God, you know, damn. <laughs> and I was so moved, man. I, I don't think I could stop crying for about an hour after that. And and I just realized, you know, that that just says everything to me. That, but it, it was the way it was put, and and the compassion in the conductor's voice towards this pupil was was quite something. It was a very one of the most powerful movements mo uh, moments I've ever seen in a movie. Mm -hmm. uh, it, it really ties in with what you were just saying. Yes, yes. Now let's speak about this. As a keyboard player, you've worked with three cats. I want to just just say off the top of the head that um, it really just changed music. Billy Cobham, Lenny White, Jack DeJanet. Yeah, I want to focus on those three because I know there's, there's there there are so many you've worked with, but those three alone that you can yeah. say you've worked with, say something about each one of them that you learned or you want to impart to us as we our listeners now. Uh, with Billy, I I was very attracted to his idea of, of featuring not only. Uh, just somebody occupying the keyboard's chair, but he wanted two sets of drums on stage. Right. A little bit what I'm doing now with the fourth dimension and John mm -hmm. and Ranjit and Etienne. But uh, Billy wanted this to kind of happen. He'd come off the drums and start playing timbales. Mm -hmm. You ever heard him play timbales? Not oh. really, really, really. I know the drums, but not to build timbales so much. No, I can't say. Okay. <laughs> okay. It's the real deal, as okay. you'd expect, yeah? Yeah. Oh man. So he'd come off and start playing jamming with timbales and he'd actually leave me on stage, which is like, this is a Billy Cobham show and you're leaving me to do a drum solo. Mm -hmm. And he said, sure, play, man. You know, and, and then he'd come back, find his way and we'd start trading. Of course, which was, in the, the audience was going great. And this was, he, he was really into this idea of having this kind of drum. I hate calling them battles now. You know, this is, it's so, Narada, sorry. Uh, it's so uh, fashionable to call it drum battle. That's not a battle. That's a party. Yeah. It's, a, it's an embrace. It's, it's, a, it's a conversation. Yeah, it's, a, right. it's a great time together, but it's not a battle. Sorry. Yeah. I don't okay. get it. Anyway, okay. <laughs> so we do that and we take it and, and, it, and it's going places, you know. Right. And, uh, and, and he loved that, but he, he loved better nothing better than to to get a very tight ship out of the band so i learned a lot about reading oh my he writes in five flats or whatever i mean extremely tough stuff you know billy writes so you take it you work at it and uh, uh if you can't sight read some of that stuff big trouble mm -hmm. so fortunately i had my classical upbringing and theory and composition and form and everything so it wasn't completely uh, out of the question that I could handle that. So he was impressed with that. And and we ended up, I ended up playing a lot of the 1990s, really with him, different bands and stuff. And he would usually call me in and uh, what a wonderful experience. I was just in touch with him on the email this morning mm -hmm. and uh, finding out how he's doing. 
Uh, and uh, it, it, it was just, uh, what can I say? It was the big, biggest uh, compliment and dream to, to play with him. And plus, you know, for the first time, I could see his patterns close up. Yeah. And not not that I'm into copying other guys, but, but I, I could really see what this boogaloo beat was mm-hmm. for the first mm-hmm. time. I thought, oh, okay. Mm-hmm. You know, the stuff I've been hearing for years, and they go, oh, that's how he does it. Right. And uh, it's, it's kind of weird. It's, it's sort of unorthodox, but it sounds so great. Right. But and weird to play. You also toured uh, playing the Spectrum uh, anniversary of sorts, playing that music. Yeah. Band. So that's one yeah. of them as well. Yeah, it was. It was. Actually, I played two of them. There was the Spectrum yeah. 30th anniversary. That had Dean Brown and the original bass, Leland Sklar. Yeah. That's so, incredible, man. That's incredible. Uh, you know, like, Jeff Beck would open his shows playing Spectrum, that song. So I had to play yeah. that song. I never wanted yeah. to play that song because that's Billy's song. But Jeff wanted to play it, so we played it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I know. Oh, man. Yeah. <laughs> So we, we did that Dean Brown on guitar. Yeah. In the second band, uh, we had Dean Brown again, Rick Ferrobracci on bass, the 40th yeah. uh, year celebrations. And that was different again, you know, and it was uh, aside from all these other bands. So I've been really, really lucky and humble and gracious about it. What about uh, Lenny White? Lenny White, Lenny came into town um, with some excellent people. Benny Morpin on sax, man. I was always a big, big fan of the soulful guy with head headhunters and oh really, really unique, really soulful. And used to practice with John Coltrane. He boy, he had some stories. Mm-hmm. So I was I was really in heaven getting the chance to to work with uh, Benny Morpin. Foley was there playing I, I wanna of- pause you, I wanna pause you. There's a new piece on YouTube right now with Billy Cobham, Benny Morpin with Horace Silver. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just, I mean, it's out there right now, so you can check it out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. I will. Okay. Uh, Foley was there playing, not bass, but this kind of mid-range guitar. Not, not in the guitar register, not in the bass register. Really cool. Uh, I can't remember the bassist's name. Um, and we were playing. Um, we had about three days. I said, I'm coming through to Ronnie Scott's. And then we go to Switzerland. Can you do any of these days? I said, you're kidding. I can do all of them. You know, I'm ready. I said, you got any charts for me? Uh, no. Okay. Uh, you have some MP3s? <laughs> mm-hmm. So yeah, tunes were not easy. So really up all day, all night for three, three days, transcribing. It was worth it, man. It was uh, beautiful music. And to get to play with Lenny, this, this was different again. Mm-hmm. Everything's so light. I would have never imagined back then, you know. With, of course, we had the big analog, com- you know, this beautiful desk you're sitting in front of there. Uh, you know, everything coming out colossal, and you're thinking these guys are just slamming in the studio. In actual fact, big sound, but playing lightly. Mm-hmm. Big deal, huh? Mm-hmm. Learning experience, everyday learning. Beautiful. So he he was. Just beautiful to play with, and uh, I, I had a really great time doing that. What, what about but Jack Jack DeGenet? Jack DeGenet came into uh, the personnel for a record I was doing with a guy called uh, Deva Bujana, an Indonesian uh, guitar player and composer, great composer, okay. writer, okay. great guitar player. Okay. And uh, we did it, and they got Jack in to play um, 
mostly drums, although I did about four tracks. The big surprise of the day is Jack starts messing around on piano and Deva says, why don't you play piano on this one and you play drums? So I got to play with Jack on drums playing piano. Okay. <clears throat> Which song is it called again? I want to I hear it. Well, that song is called Uncle Jack. Okay. And it's on an album called uh, Deva Bujana. It was 2016 recording. I can't remember the name. I'll have to probably pop into my head before the name before the end of the talk. Okay. Okay. But uh, yeah, that 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 was great experience. I mean, to play with the sound of Jack in your headphones, <laughs> because he has this beautiful way, this abstraction all the yeah. time. Yeah. It's it's around the beat. It's on the side of it. It's at the bottom of it, and it's floating on the top of it, and it's and it's moving, and it's dimensional and like wow you realize it's just like the sounds on the records and yet he's there and i'm hearing it in the cans and unbelievable it, but 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 quite an experience different experience to listening to him to play with him right. then you really find out right and uh i guess with all these musicians uh, mm -hmm. really find out how it is once you one-to-one -one. Yes. and uh really one hell of an experience and what a beautiful person he was too so i fell in love with a recording nick called first light with freddie hubbard and jack on the drums that's oh, yeah. my favorite that album now did roberta flack take this arrangement for something on there and use it i have a feeling it's the same arranger um now I'm going to be thrashing around because I can't think of the name of the album or whatever. But there was one tune off First Light okay. that I think made a Roberta Flack album in terms of arrangement. Oh, okay. Maybe, well, maybe they cloned the arrangement. Hey, I mean it was a very it's a very hip record. Yeah, and it showed me at that time in my life uh, how I could be impressed and take jazz into my spirit uh, in a way that I felt good to me. You know. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You know what I mean? Jack was bringing like a, like a prize fighter. So everything felt good. Yeah. You know what I mean? Just felt good. So I just learned a lot from Jack. I don't want to talk about that much, but he's big in my spirit. So I have to ask you what's like to work with him. Because I mean, to me, he changed music. It's it's beautiful, but it's 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 mystical. It's yeah, it's, right? <laughs> it's mysterious. I mean, you, you can't say, boo, there it is, you know, because it's not quite. It's here. But when it's with that, which is also displaced, it's the beat. Right. It's it's quite something. He, he is really quite a concept, and and a great great influence to me as well. Yeah. Well, now, also you worked with Jan Hammer. We we did a we did we recorded. Okay. We recorded, and, and it was my and it was my album. I, I was I was so thrilled about this. He he. He kind of stepped in. I, I'd had somebody else play on it, and they were lined up to do a solo. Solo never came, and we were moving closer to a release date that I wanted to honor and, uh, you know, respect and, and go with. And we had no solo, so like I, I'm already doing five keyboard solos on the album. It's my album, mm -hmm. so I think, what can I do here to say? And I suddenly got the idea of calling Elliot Sears. Yeah, uh, that's right. <laughs> and he said, you know, 
Jan won't tour, but if you ever have any ideas, call. Okay. You know? So I did. And I called I said, Elliot, would you, would you mind asking Jan? I'll, I'll send you this. I'm enclosing an MP3 here. See, see if it makes him want to play or not, you know? Mm-hmm. If not, no problem. I quite understand. But if I would, I could really hear this. Yeah. And he did. And he went back. He came back within two hours. And he said, mm-hmm. Jan really loves it. He wants to oh. do it. And I was like, ah. And man, it, that is a track called Leave Him, Leave Him On. And it's on Dirty and Beautiful Volume 1, my album. Okay. And, okay. and Jan plays on the first track. And my God, man, what a solo. Oh, oh. you just killed me. But yeah. it, it, it's just funny how things work out when you really need them to. Mm-hmm. Sometimes, huh? Yes, brother. I want to say something about, it, about him as well. I want to say that, um, again, he, like you, is impeccable with his timing. Oh. Uh, he, he overdubbed on an album, Wired, the Jeff Beck stuff I did, right? He overdubbed. He, overdubbed. He, he was never there live. It was all overdubbed. But when you hear it back, yeah. every little nuance, every, yeah. every nuance is yeah. there. Oh, just yeah. like, like, like the greatest of ease. Yeah. So it's like, wow, man. Again, I'm just knocked out with the musicianship of, of cats like you who play the keyboards, but are drummers. That is some magic in there, man. That's some magic in there. That's like, we all have to stand back. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, I, I, he, he is uh, an incredible influence on me. But, and, I, and I know what you're saying. It's this solo voice thing. But I, I think when you, you, you feel the need to, what is a solo? You feel the need to cry. Mm-hmm. You, want, you want to tell the world about something you're feeling. Yeah. You, know, you want to give them the same, what you're feeling. And, uh, and I needed it. I needed it, mm-hmm. just like all the cats who turned out to be sol- soloists. So I just cultivated it, tried to develop it, and try and get it better and better and better to the point that I can, I can hold up with guys who I respect so much, and yes. people who were like guru figures to me, and yes. and and come through with something that they can use, you know. And mm-hmm. occasionally, if they can inspire them or make them happy, I'm on seventh heaven. You know, yeah, man. yeah, but it never stops. It's like, don't lose it. Keep in it. Keep mm-hmm. in the groove and, and right. keep like the boxer. Can't yeah. relax. Right. I and love your piece called the, is it the Guardian. Am I saying it correctly? The Guardian. It's actually called Guardians. Did you hear that? Yes. That's so beautiful. I had want to make sure I, I asked you about that. It's so beautiful. Oh, man. Thank you so yeah. much. Yeah. Thank you very much. And I have to also say, you, man, you, you love to stretch harmonically on, yeah. on all your all your pieces yeah there's something harmonically going on with you like you know you say joe zauno he's got his way you mentioned hammer but yeah. you 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 know you you we can't predict what you're going to do man you, you can only blame stravinsky and bella Bartok. <laughs> you know, once i get i mean it, as as a re- rebellion to my classical piano teacher who thought nothing really post brahms was valid in yeah. Like, really? That's a heavy statement, man. You know, if you were a man. It wasn't. <laughs> if, you were, if you were a man. <laughs> and she said, no, you know, Bartok, this man was an imbecile. So, okay, all right. I know that I'm speaking to the wrong person, but I went out and b- bought my copy of Microcosmos Exercises, which, which were 
facilitating exercises more than anything in coordination and independence. Mm -hmm. But discreetly hidden in there, they introduced the player to bitonality and the, the relationships between certain intervals that kind of work because they don't work or they don't work because they do. Oh, you know, very difficult to discern, um, known as bitonal music. And, and this really started to seep into me because at the beginning I was going, did this guy write this by accident? Has he made, is there a misprint here? You know, is that right? Did he mean that? And then, uh, you know, in a, in a very short amount of time, it was like, yeah, I can hear that now. I can hear that now. And I'd go back to Gil Evans with Miles and hear, hear where these little clusters would, would be and exist and hear what instruments you'd use to make them happen, you know? Yes. And, uh, or Stravinsky's Mass with the choir, really hear how he used that choir, where, where he put everything, how he divided up the harmony and merged it. It's, it's just Stravinsky's Mass. Oh. Well, I have to say to you, I think, um, yeah. twice I've seen you live with, with Mahavishnu in the band. Both times were excellent. But the second time, this last time, I saw growth in you in the way you're speaking now. Yeah. Because you just took your time more and you made us settle back right. and did your thing. And it was more purposeful in the way it felt like to me. Yeah. And, and quite frankly, more heartfelt. I mean, you're always a hard man, but this last show I saw in particular. Yeah. It really touched my heart. Oh man, that's yeah. That's what yeah. I want to say to you. That, man. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. I I try. I'm working towards like we all are to to get this thing, you know, and, and I see movement in it. And that's that's the payback, that's the joy. If I see movement in somebody because of it, I'm not interested in chops, I'm not interested in I love power, but I'm not interested in chops. It really, I mean, you speak about harmony. I, hear, I heard somebody really diss a Burt Bacharach song the other day, not only verbally, but they completely avoided all this beautiful movement by Burt. And to me, you, you just don't do that. Mm -hmm. right. I'm, I'm such a Burt Bacharach. Me too. You know, Me too. Yeah, I, I, would, I would imagine so, yeah. He's my and, teacher. And, it, it was unrecognizable, except for there was a groove, never any problem. A lot of people are just getting such great grooves, but get the harmony right too, guys, you mm -hmm, know? Mm -hmm. get, and, and tell me a story through it. That's right. Let's hear some development in, in right. this. You, you know, know Jerry Hay told me one time about Burke, when Burke would do string, um, um, string sessions, mm. he would always wear a white shirt. And he would be so intense in the string session that he would inevitably sweat through his complete shirt on all those string dates. He was so intense that this, the white shirt would be sweat through. Yeah, a small thing, but but I feel that from Burt Bacharach. Yeah, 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 I can feel it. Watching interviews with him, I, I love this about YouTube now. You can really get into people and get into their spirits and see their trajectory through the years too. And, uh, oh man, yeah. So, so I was really hurt about that, but you, you know, 
and where I where I happen to be coming from, not only the classical masters, but finding music like Apocalypse and going on to find Garden of Love, like man, this song was the most magnificent harmonic harmonic structure and movement and and the placement of the movement and the way you 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 produce the, the frame and structure of that song. I mean, it's, it's got a kind of regular middle eight, more regular middle eight than the whole lead up. But you got And then once you go into the B section, oh boy, you're on a ride there. Yeah. Oh man. Thank you. Bro. I was like, Thank oh you. yeah. You know, that's that I must say that's Tommy Dowd helping me out. And he brought in Sissy Houston, who's Whitney's Whitney's mother on that session. And I had met Whitney as a little girl as 11 years old on that session. I was like, wow, she's so beautiful. I didn't know it would be Whitney Houston, but there she was with her with her mother singing, take me, take me, take me to the garden. <laughs> yeah, beautiful. God, I never knew that. Yeah. Listen, I love you. I, I love you. Who's watching this to give us great attention right now? I want to have you say anything you want to wrap this up with all the okay. love from your heart as you want to give us. We love you so much, Gary. So say something now as we conclude our interview. Love you so much. Thank you so much for having me here. Narada, I want to say thank you to you for Way of the Pilgrim. I want to say provision of the Naked Sword. Ladies and gentlemen, Apocalypse, the second track. You've got to hear this raging orchestral work in 11 time and what Narada does throughout this whole thing it is beyond emotion it is beyond everything great it's it's just colossal it's just colossal so I mean for me to be sitting in front of you today and the man who played it miles out and on the way <laughs> home to earth and eternity's breath man not to mention all the other things can I just mention Moon Shadows by Alphonse, Alphonse Johnson is that your Gretsch kit on there yeah <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. I know you had a Ludwig at one time. Anyway. And, and, and a Slingerland. And a gut bucket from, from Frank Ippolito's drum shop where they made me my own gut bucket snares. Yes. Yeah. Make, make them really like super like loud for live. But they were... Oh man. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. Tight. Yeah. Yeah. And the way you played on that record, man, you know, get it dead, go get it dead, don't get it dead, don't get it dead. You remember all that stuff? No, but I'm happy hearing you sing it. Can I send it to you? Yeah, sure, send it to me. Oh, oh man, I know every note. Okay. Not to, to the point I'd want to play it or can play it, could even, but it's so fulfilling to me. So I am speaking to one of the greatest drummers in the world, and not only that, one of the greatest musicians in the world oh, thank you, right here. So thank you for that. Love you, Gary. This has been a great, great time. I've been looking forward to it, speaking with you. And let's do it again. Let's do a part two. I hope we can. Please, anytime. <laughs> okay. <Great on. laughs> okay, man. Be well and safe, sir. Thank you. God bless you too and love you so much and to your family. And exactly the same to you and yours, sir. Okay. Thanks, Gary. Narada, this is for you, sir. Thank you.
Hey, 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 hey. I know you all enjoyed hearing from Gary Husbands, the beautiful drummer and keyboard player extraordinaire. Thank you, Gary, for your love, for your light, and for your respect at all times. You are really outstanding and out of sight. We love you. Everybody have a great spring. This is your brother, Nile Michael Walton. And stay tuned for episodes to come. Love you, love you, love you. Bye-bye. Thank you, everybody, for watching this week's Modern Drummer Podcast. Stay tuned for next week's episode exclusively on Podcast One. Until then, stay safe and healthy, and thanks for listening and watching.